Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Hunt and Fish Bums podcast. On today's episode, we're going to have a friend of mine on that I randomly met at a bar on my way to the Northwest Territories. Naturally, when you see one other person at the bar dressed in camo with a hunting pack, um, you can pretty much assume that you're going to share some common interests and start talking with them. Um, But in this case, not only did we talk hunting, but it ended up through our conversation that we realized we were both going to the exact same outfitter and both hunting doll sheep. Now the difference is, is Rich is actually a good hunter and unlike me, he was able to get his sheep on the first day where I needed all 10 days. Um, And he was able to spend the rest of his time hunting mountain goats in the Northwest Territory. So on today's episode, we have my friend Rich Trace on to talk about his Northwest Territories doll sheep and mountain goat hunt with South Nahani Outfitters. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm good, man. How you been? Uh, you know, um, Life life is good. It's uh, been been doing good. I I reflect all all the time back on on, on that trip, and so I just saw that uh, uh, we were getting boxed up. Right, our animals were getting boxed up. So I was I go back and look at the pictures. I just downloaded some of the videos that I had shot for my video camera. So yeah, it's it's uh, I've been good. And now it's you know hunting season for everything else is going on. You know more natural to where to where both of us live. Right. So uh, the the chase phase for uh, Whitetail is going on now, so all my buddies are in the woods uh, sending me texts on the pictures of the bucks they're passing up, and I'm going to go this weekend and try to get out. Be not a little bit, but they're really moving in Wisconsin right now. Nice, nice. You've been uh, getting after any birds at all? You know, I've got a uh, winnow pheasant twice. I did not make it up to do any grouse hunting um, yet, and so uh, I think I'm going to try that over uh, Thanksgiving. Um, how about you? Nothing, man. Well, I did get after pheasant one day and uh, connected on a, a bird or two, and but that's all we saw. We didn't have uh, didn't have a lot of birds up, but I, you know, with a newborn kid with a three week old at home, I only have yeah. like certain times to to go, you know. So it's uh, yep. I'm like limited to like an hour here or there if I can even get out to go. So uh, so yeah, did. Uh, did get two birds and then went out whitetail hunting and literally the one buck that I really wanted to get from trail cam photos. Not that I really care because at the end of the year, you know, if I don't get one, I'm going to shoot whatever buck just so I get the meat. Um, yeah. But it's early now and the rut's just starting here, just like you, I guess, in Wisconsin. So the one buck I was after, I sat in my blind and literally just sat down and dropped my bag and I look up and here he is 80 yards coming towards me. And he does a half circle, comes all the way around, and walks right to the door of my ground blind. And I have this—I oh, wow. had my uh, just enough time to put the GoPro on, so I literally put it on my hat and started filming. He is at my blind on the one side. I don't have a shooting window, like sniffing the door, probably smelling me because I had just walked in. Um, yeah. So it was—it was almost the quickest deer hunting season I've ever had. But. Uh, did you end up getting him? Oh man, no. He yeah. he started smelling the door and uh just darted out uh the exact same way he came. But he wasn't like 
he didn't blow. He didn't hightail out. He kind of just trotted, was confused, stopped, turned around, but everything was uh, exactly where I didn't expect any deer to come from, and I have no windows in my blind to shoot that way. It's literally just this yeah. little, you know, four by four mesh hole that you can see through. Uh, yeah. but everything else is like solid canvas that, uh, my mechanical broadhead would probably not do well shooting through. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I, uh, that, that's awesome. I, I've been out, uh, um, a number of times bow hunting in, 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 you know, just over the last couple of weeks and, uh, bunch of like two and a half and three and a half year old deer and, and haven't seen, uh, you know, anything, um, decent to, to really go after, but, uh, uh, my buddies literally, uh, uh, one of my buddies that work here is he hunts a, a farm south of, of uh, Madison, and and he, you know, the deer he's passing up on right now. I'm like, yeah, the, you know, they're nice three and a half, four and a half year old deer. I'm like, I'd be pounding those things. So it's it's heating up. They're moving during the day, so it's which is such a fun time to be in the woods. Yeah, and the temperature <laughs> looks like it's probably already cold up in Wisconsin where you're at, but for me. Uh, Friday looks like it's finally going to drop down into the fifties. So I'm going to take a half day and try to try to sit in a blind and, and, and see what happens. It's always funny. Cause at the beginning of the year, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll hold out for an older deer. But you know, where I hunt in New Jersey, every, every, you know, section is, is kind of blocked off by some major road or major intersection. And, uh, I don't know how old these deer really get. So by about the, you know, end of the rut or you know towards the end of the season it's kind of like all right any buck that comes up i'll go ahead and uh and shoot but for now it's fun to kind of hold out for one of the older ones yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah well i i think based on i think your was it your instagram you had a pretty nice buck sitting in your backyard (laughs) i know man they're all kinds of nice deer just running around right in my backyard in the middle of the neighborhood we have like this uh this big like big field that runs behind all the houses there that uh you know obviously you can't hunt on and it's just that's my test for when i need to go sit in my blind when i start seeing them grunting (laughs) and chasing out in the backyard i'm like okay here we go it's time to time to start deer hunting seriously so uh so yeah but up in wisconsin uh the deer you guys are passing up i'm sure the ones that i would shoot any day of the week down here in New Jersey. So it's funny. It's all relative of where you live and the deer around. But sometimes I see these deer people pass up. I'm like, man, that'd be like a deer of a lifetime for me. I would send it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. No, I, I I'm with you. I, um, you know, um, yeah. So we, we got our first major snow today is Wednesday would have been, uh, uh, Monday night. So we got about three and a half inches. It's, well, we had a low of 26 last night. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's got, got them moving pretty good. And, and, um, you know, there, there's large, such large tracts of land here that, um, you know, you're able to, to pass on some and, and, and get the, the, the maturity up there. And literally, um, you know, we're passing on, uh, you know, uh, again, the, the, the farm next to where I'm hunting, this is the gentleman that I'm referring to. I think if I showed you the pictures that they just passed on today, one is a good 150 class deer. The next one is maybe 160, at, and they're just they're just letting them go. So, <laughs> and, and you know, and and most um, both of the hunters that are sending me the pictures have multiple Pope and Young. So it's like a they can just pick and 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 literally one of the guys it was it was amazing, Bob. 
uh, we were hunting two weeks ago and uh, in the rain and that, you know, I saw a bunch of deer activity, a uh, couple, couple, you know, little, little dinker guys. And, and uh, I get back to the truck and my, my buddy's like, I said, how was your afternoon? And he's like, Hey, I just, I just, I just pounded a 10 point with uh, two brow tines that have double stickers kind of coming out of it. And I'm like, Oh, awesome. And, and uh, he goes, but I couldn't find it at dark. And he showed me the pictures of the blood that was on this thing. And I would say that they were pie plate, paper pie plate sized blood. And it went for, I don't know, 70 yards. And then he found a chunk of lung, literally, you know, what was almost, you could describe as an intact lung outside of this thing. And the deer, deer kept going. Well, we didn't find it that night. The next morning, um, we have, I have another friend that has, uh, uh, in Wisconsin, you can use, uh, dogs, uh, right? dogs yep. uh, on leash. So we, we called him up and they lost the trail of that deer and did not find that deer. Oh my and God. so, and, and, uh, you know, shooting Montag G5s and, and shooting night, you know, and put a nice shot on it. Um, and it's dead somewhere, but we just could not find it. All right. I think it's dead. It's got to be. It, it had a chunk of lung. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was. It's just been a weird season, but yeah. Yeah, that's you know crazy. What? So, because uh, I know, I mean, we used to hunt grouse. I'd go to Wisconsin every year and hunt grouse, and we'd be up in north central Wisconsin, and it gets swampy and boggy up there. And yep. I can tell you this, like, I've put up, I mean, one buck in particular, um, out in the middle of this bog, I just kept hearing the splashing, splashing, splashing. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I looked up and, uh, man, it was a bruiser of a freaking buck. And I mean, I'm sure people have gone there before, but you, there's such vast tracts of land out there that I don't know how pressured these deer are all the way up in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, but man, they, they get huge, especially in those swamps. I don't think there's, uh, uh, all that much pressure. I'm, I'm guessing there are no. predators. You guys have wolves, those timber wolves way up there, don't you? Or no? Yeah. The wolves, the, yeah. The wolves are the biggest predator. Yeah. And back in those swamps and bogs and stuff back there. Yeah. They, they do not get the same type of pressure, you know, and it, it's pretty sparse up there. Um, but the wolves have done a, a you know, a pretty good job of, of controlling the deer, deer herd up North. And then down where I'm at in Southern Wisconsin, South, Southwestern Wisconsin, South Central, um, certainly smaller tracts of land, more farms, more agriculture. So there's more hunting pressure. It also has the CWD issue. So, um, um, which we don't have as much, uh, in Northern Wisconsin, but that, that's a prevalent, uh, concern. So there's a lot of CWD testing. I don't know if they have it out in New Jersey yet, but hopefully you don't get it. But, yeah, they uh, do. They do. I mean, there's, uh, <clears throat> New Jersey, my buddy who, who also does the podcast with us, Garrett on his farm, his whole County is now like, uh, cwd county where they're giving out extra tags to kind of try to reduce the number of deer in those areas but yeah it's kind of yeah. a major issue that's that's going all across the uh the country at this point yeah unfortunately yeah so so typically i start these podcasts off with like an intro and and uh and we go through all that but i'll just i'll just pre-record that and and dub it in since we've already kind of got into some hunting but what sure. i wanted to start out with is kind of how we met and it is it is pretty random uh traveling to my doll sheep hunt i see a guy uh dressed in kuyu at the bar and i'm I'm drinking a beer next to him and we start bullshitting and uh 
ends up we're both hunting with the exact same outfitter uh, at South Mahani Outfitters, and uh, and that is our guest for today's show, which is Rich Trace. So thanks again for for taking time out and doing this with me, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, it's, it is pretty amazing how that how that all came together, right? Yeah, and it, it sure made the trip a whole lot more fun those first two days rather than kind of rolling around Whitehorse, Yukon by myself. We kind of hung out, told uh, told some good hunting stories, and, and drank a couple beers. So it definitely made it exciting um, first couple days rather than kind of just sitting in a hotel lonely. So uh, that was definitely uh, nice to run into you there. And we also had some nice conversations with the with the local, local fishermen in Canada. So he had... Uh, he had some good stories as well to, uh, to entertain us with. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so <clears throat> just to kind of rewind. So obviously the listeners have un- picked up from now that, uh, you live in Wisconsin. So we all have our own kind of stories of how we get into something like a sheep hunt or a goat hunt. So how'd you get into that? How does a guy from Wisconsin all of a sudden, uh, decide to go, go sheep hunting up North? Yeah, great question. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of us, you know, growing up and, and, and living in, in Wisconsin in the upper Midwest, uh, it's pretty flat here. And uh, so we don't have the opportunity to do that type of hunting. We have to go out west to hit the mountains and, and or, or north to, to Alaska or, or Canada. And, and so uh, hadn't done, I've done a lot of local hunting, hunted my entire life, uh, uh, you know, 35 years uh, since a 12 year old and, 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 uh, you know, decided I was going to do a, do a hunt and uh, I wanted to go to Alaska and see Alaska. And so I went up to Alaska and I, was, you know, like all of us saved for it and, and, uh, essentially went on, on the cheapest Alaska hunt I could find, which was a caribou hunt. And I, uh, corralled a buddy and, and we went up and uh, went up to Prudhoe Bay and flew out of Happy Valley and had just a wonderful time in Alaska. Got some caribou and and met a, met a guide that was there and and uh, he essentially I was talking to him you know we spent a lot of time together. He's like, "What's your next hunt?" And I'm like, "You know, I'm not really sure. I, I've really heard a lot about Africa." And and he was a younger guy and he's like, "You know what? You're in pretty good shape." Um, you can do Africa at any point. It's because it, it's a much more assisted type of hunt. If you've ever thought about doing the mountains or doing a, any any type of hunt like that, do it while you can. And he was a passionate sheep guy, and so he was the guy that started. And, and over a week's time of sitting in the in the in the bush in Alaska, you know, he educated me. I, I figured out the the subspecies of, of sheep and and everything about you know everything. He, he piqued my interest in it, and so I got back and uh, said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna take his advice. Started looking into, and he had told me the cheapest the cheapest sheep hunt. The way to get into it was start with doll, and so. Um, that's what I did. And, and, uh, what I wanted to do, uh, was I wanted to have a traditional hunt and I wanted to do horseback and, uh, wanted to go after that. And this is before our, our hunt, Bob. And, and, uh, uh, went up to the Yukon, did that. And, you know, that's the type of hunting they do in the Yukon. They do the horseback and, uh, did, did a hunt there with, uh, Chris Widrig, uh, outfitters. And, and Chris was my, Chris was my guide and, and had a great experience, um, Saw some saw some rams. Was on passed on my first day a, a smaller ram that was full curl, but wasn't what I was looking for. And and uh, ended up that day uh, that hunt 
um, every time we'd climb up to go after a ram, something would happen and a snowstorm would happen. And, you know, for those that, that haven't tried to hunt a doll sheep, uh, in a snowstorm, they're, they're both white and, uh, they, it can be difficult and fog would come in. And, um, so all those challenges would occur, ended up not get, not getting a sheep and, and, and missed, uh, um, literally was on him the last day we had to leave. And, uh, um, the, the next hunter that came in, um, the next day that Chris took him right there and he killed him first day. And so, um, I, I left that hunt I got back to white horse. Um, and I immediately, uh, 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 I was talking to some hunters that had finished out and they had, they had went to salt Nahani. And so I immediately contacted, and of course, everybody's out in, in camp, but I, I sent, uh, an email off to Sonny at, 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 uh, Salt Nahani and just said, I'm interested in two years in doing a hunt. I'd like to go with you. I've heard some people have had a great experience and that's, that's where it kind of went. I had, uh, you know, I, I, di- I didn't get anything and, and I really felt, um, I felt really, uh, like I wanted to go back and do it. And, uh, so that's how I did it. And I fell in love with it. They say that either you, uh, uh, love it or hate it. I loved it, even though I didn't get one. I was dejected that I didn't get one. And you and I talked about that, Bob. Right? I mean, that's that's part of hunting. Um, I had never been in that experience where I went and hadn't gotten one when I was on a guided hunt. Um, I'd maybe not gotten the size of animal that I wanted, but I always got a representative species. I think sheep hunting is one of those things where you know sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. And yet, obviously, you 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 can attest to that as you talk about your story on that, but. Um, that's what really peaked it. And, uh, um, I just love the mountains. I love the experience. I love the ruggedness of you're out there and, uh, there's really, you know, your, your clothes are wet or you, you have to, you have to fend for yourself and there's just not a support network behind you. And certainly different between the horseback hunt and what we did with South Nahani. Um, um, certainly different. Uh, um, and, and I, uh, they're both they're both unique and they both have their pluses and minuses so that's long-winded on how i i really got interested in it so you didn't suffer enough on the first one you you had to go back for more you didn't have enough after that first uh that first sheep hunt because that is uh, a little bit mental drain like you said with the weather there's so many things you can be in the best shape of your life and put all the effort in put all the work in know your rifle but there are things that are completely out of your control that are going to make or break your hunt. And I know for me, um, you know, we'll talk about your sheep hunt and then get into your goat hunt, but we had probably the exact opposite experiences on your second sheep hunt and my first sheep hunt as far as how, how those uh, kind of panned out for us on that hunt. But oh, on, yeah. the, on the horseback side of things, were you guys, were you guys riding? Because um, I know we had, we just had uh, one of my friends, Sean, who drew a bighorn sheep tag in uh oh man what uh, in wyoming and he was talking wow. about the horseback like going into some pretty sketchy places on on horseback so are you are you comfortable with horses did you have to do that or was it pretty like pretty much trail riding all the way out yeah so um it wasn't true uh, there's certainly established trails um uh, in some parts and then some you're going through that just the you know the uh, the willow tangles which are just brutal right a brutal walk through there's they're easier to go through the horses with but it's still just a pain but um there was established trails for the most part but i'm not a horse guy um 
Um, that, that was my first experience. We rode two days out to get to sheep camp, um, where we were going to hunt and it was two days back. And, uh, so that was 20 miles. Uh, and wow. so for a guy that wasn't, wasn't used to it, um, you know, I learned a lot, learned quickly. The horses, you know, Chris uh, is, you know, his outfit does a really, really nice job with that. The horses were, were really good. So they let a novice, I wouldn't even say a novice. They let a, you know, a kindergarten grade ability to manage a horse get forward with that. And so, um, but it's a different hunt because you, you know, you're packing your tents on the horses. You're bringing, you know, where we're eating mountain house uh, uh, on a, a backpack on, on the horse hunt. You know, the, your pack horses are coming out. And the interesting thing is on that hunt, um, which, which, you know, uh, we, we had known that there was a band of nine rams in the area that we were going to hunt. And so the decision is always with the, the, the guide or the outfitter to be like, how many pack horses are you going to take? Because, you know, once you get, once you get a sheep, then, then you got some food, right? And so each pack horse is just more, much more work along the way. You, you know, you got to hobble them, get them in the morning and it's, it just creates issues. And so, uh, you know, we were on a 10 day hunt. I think we brought enough food for like seven days because we were going to get to kill a sheep right away. It got pretty lean. It got pretty lean on the eating for the, you know, the, the last few days we were down to rationing our food. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's a different, if it, it's a, certainly a different hunt cause you're carrying all that stuff with you where like weight, weight was a concern, but you weren't carrying the weight you were, you're, you know, packing up the mountain and you're just taking what you needed. Um, again, not better, not worse. It's just, it's different. And where you and I were, you know, second guessing some of the stuff that we were going to bring due to weight, less of a concern on that because your horse is carrying that along with you. Um, it's just, what are you going to climb up the mountain with? And you're taking the horse down the, you know, the basins where you and I were, you know, we were walking those basins and stuff. We're walking the, you know, we're glassing with the horses looking up and down and then tying them off and going up. Um, so yeah, uh, but if, if you don't have a good horsemanship, which I didn't, uh, they can compensate for that. No, that's nice. Cause I'm very intrigued after listening to your hunt when we spoke and, uh, when we were, you know, in Canada and then listening to my buddy Sean's hunt, I'm like, that seems like a pretty cool adventure to go back there with horses. But I am, I am, uh, a complete rookie, uh, beyond rookie. Uh, and my wife grew up around horses. She can, you know, uh, ride all day and night. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So kind of deters me a little bit, but it's definitely something in my future I'd like to try. So, um, nice, another perspective on how to sheep hunt than compared to what we did, which was, uh, uh, totally different where we get dropped off in the mountains by helicopter. So, um, right. totally different style hunt. Although, you know, I, I thought that we'd be moving camp a lot, you know, on our backs. And so we did cut a lot of weight hindsight being 2020, where we just set up that spike camp and hunted out of that. Um, we probably could have taken a little bit more, uh, than, uh, than I actually did, but really I got by totally fine with what I took and everything else would have just been excess that I probably never would even taken out of my pack. You know, half the time you pack all the stuff and you use about, you know, 40% of what you actually brought and, and the other stuff you would have done fine just without. So worked yeah, out, worked out well for us on that hunt. But, um, that's right. So how did, how did your sheep hunt go? Because your story is, uh, is quite a bit different than mine. So why, yeah. don't, you, why don't you walk through that and then we'll kind of transition to the goat hunt because you actually had, uh, had two tags, which is, uh, which is an awesome way to do both species. If you're, 
you know, if your sheep hunt goes the way yours did. Yeah, that's right. So like, like I said, on my first hunt, I, I, I limited timed out on the, on the second hunt, you know, um, uh, on the one we did with South Mahani and, and the helicopter, I mean, literally, I think it's 12 hour wait, right? So we, we, we land and we, we get down in our, in our area, we set up our tents. Uh, I set, set up my tent and guide sets up his and, and, uh, we just start, just start glassing and immediately we're on, on to seeing rams. And, uh, um, there's three of them sitting, you know, uh, you know, probably a mile and a half away or so they're, they're out of ways, but we're able to watch them and video them and talk about them and literally name them and label them at that point. So we're spending all afternoon, you know, uh, glassing around and we're immediately on what we, what we feel at least at that range is, is, um, you know, the, there's three mature rams there now. Whether they're um, and capable shooters, whether the ones we want or not, uh, we weren't at that distance able to tell. So, you know, the next morning wakes up, and and uh, they're still in the same spot, pretty much. And uh, so, you know, this is day one, right? And uh, we we uh, you know we we put a they were sitting on a cliff and that when it just essentially not huntable the way they were not killable the way they were Bob. And so we climbed over to the other side of a, uh, of the ridge that they were on and literally sat down and watched them for nine hours as they got up, chewed, the, you know, got up, fed, laid down, chewed their cud. They just kind of sat there and it was three rams together. There were no ewes, no lambs. I never did see a ewe or a lamb in my entire hunt. Um, they were all next to it, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you had that area, right? And, yeah, I know. I, I appreciate you taking that for me. And so, um, and I think for all the other hunters, yeah, you you were you you did that. So, um, literally, we were waiting, and we're trying to put a move, like to try to figure out if we could put a move on them. And uh, um, you know, we're just sitting there, and again, it's first day, and and uh, they started, they got up, and they started to kind of, they were, I would say, they were up pretty much near the ridge of this mountain. Um, and they started to move down a little bit. And, uh, so, uh, you know, at that point we're like, all right, let's see if we can cover the river Valley or the stream Valley across that. And we did, and it is literally trucked across that thing. And so we had sat down, Oh, it was probably got to a spot where we were glassing them closer, you know, out of camp at probably nine 30 AM. We sat in that same spot, Till 6.30, they started to move, 6.30 p.m. Um, we got to a spot where we thought we could ambush them, um, and we, we set up about 7.30, and they started they started coming down through the – and they were still high up, but they were now into willows. And so first one comes through and that we passed on him, and then the second one was the one that we wanted as the shooter, and it was about 7.30 again. And, and uh, that set it up, and my, my, my guide was uh, – uh, I, I said range and he's like, you're, you're at 300 and it seemed pretty short to me, but you know, the distances, again, I'm not a mountain guy uh, and the inclines can play with you. Um, but it seems short and, and, uh, so it seemed, it's 300 seemed too short or you, you thought it was closer than 300. Uh, I thought it was closer than 300 gotcha. and, and, but you know, like, uh, you know, I think one of the things that you do is you, you, you know, your, your guide knows this stuff inside out. This is what they do for a living. And so, you know, I'm, I'm one that I'm there to learn. And, and, uh, so, uh, ranges is 300 and, and, you know, I'm sighted in for 200 feet. I'm, I'm not quite the shooter you are, but, uh, you know, I'm confident to shoot out for 450. And so, um, 
the ram, the ram comes in, gets steady, squeeze my shot off, and the thing drops right away. And you know, the flood of emotion. Uh, you know, this is first day, but this has been two and a half years in the making because I, you know, I have it. Or actually, four when you think about planning my first hunt. And so we're just, you know, just super happy that this has happened where, you know, I high five my guide, we're talking, we're just, he's like, great shot, whatever. The thing is just down in the willows, right? The other two rams are sitting there looking at him, which happens a lot. Um, and so we had left our packs back maybe 50 yards. So we talked for like 10 minutes. We walked back to get our packs and, and, you know, I'm like, I almost in disbelief and I asked my guide, you know, like, you're sure he's down, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I just, you know, I just, I'm in shock. I can't believe this happened. And uh, we get back to where we're at. The gun is still setting on the tripod or on the bipod. And, and uh, the two rams had started to move back up the, the hill. Well, my ram that's dead apparently gets up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just this is the worst nightmare, right? And, and uh, you know, because you draw blood and you shoot it and it runs away. That's your, that's your dead ram. And I'm like, this is not how this can happen to me. So, you know, uh, the guide ranges it. He's like 325. And uh, it's starting to walk away from me. And I can see on the nape of its neck, it's, it's got blood coming down it. And so I, I shoot the second shot. And quite honestly, I think I was so rattled I missed. Uh, third shot, he's like 375. It's quartering away. And I got a good quartering away shot. And I hit it. I pound it. And it goes down. We still can't see it. But we then wait another 20 minutes to see if anything comes up start to book up that way. And, you know, as, as we're making our way up there, you're, you're lost in the willows and stuff. And, and we can't find this thing. And I'm like, this just is, you know, the worst doubts go through your mind. Oh yeah. Well, we end up finding it. Well, actually when I, when I got done shooting it, I said, let me see your range finder. And his range finder wasn't set for ink. It was set for line of sight, not inclination or for, for incline. Uh, right. And, and it wasn't so, cutting for the angles. Exactly. So I take my range finder out and I'm like, the first range was 175. Oh, so, I was, so two things happened. One was he, and I did put a bad shot on. It's not, uh, um, uh, he moved, uh, he was stopped. And by the time I squeezed, he had taken a step forward. So I hit him, I hit him, um, not where I was aiming. And I certainly hit him high because the range was high. So what had happened, um, the first shot hit him high in the neck, went through his neck, um, above his spine, hit his rear horn and knocked him unconscious. So literally there's a chunk out of the horn. Well, you know, we see after the fact, but I literally concussed the ram. He was knocked out for 30 minutes, came to and stood up. And so, um, the, oh boy, hang, <laughs> the, on, hang on. What, what caliber rifle are you shooting? I'm shooting a 300 Winchester uh, short mag. So that tells you how much impact these guys can take when they're button heads, man. Taking a shot oh my, yeah. right to the horn with a 300 Winchester short mag, gets concussed for 30 minutes and gets back up like it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. And I will tell you the horn, and, and you saw it, Bob, you know, the horn just has a chip out of it. It You know, maybe like a half inch deep chip out of it it's not like it's a bullet ring or it's not like it blew the horn up or i mean it's it they're they're, they're tough animals and so um yeah on further review when we got to that animal um literally the first shot can custom second shot i think was you know we didn't see the second shot the third shot was angling through went through uh uh 
hit his liver, went out through his chest cavity and then, uh, hit his far leg. And so, um, yeah, it was just an interesting story, uh, associated with that. And so can't really make that stuff up. I'd love to say it was one shot, clean kill. Um, but it was, uh, it was pretty nerve wracking, but that was the first day and, um, got it done and it was really happy to have it done. So we were having back straps on the, you know, that was seven thirty. by the time we got back to camp, it was oh one thirty AM. And, uh, um, yeah, having back straps at probably 2 AM first day. That's awesome. Well, what a hunt. Yeah. And, and it yeah. was a beautiful sheep. I, uh, I can't remember what it measured like 38 inches or whatever, but I mean, it was just perfectly symmetrical. Uh, it was a beautiful sheep and, uh, that's awesome, man. Great way to freaking finish. I don't, I don't know. We didn't talk about this, but I know for me on my last day, I, you know, by like two or three o'clock, I'm like, eh, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm done. I didn't get one, but I was actually, you know, I was bummed out, but I was like content because I, I don't know. I know that I put everything I had in there, you know, with all the external factors, oh, we, we find sheep and then there's a blizzard an hour later and they're gone. You know what I mean? Or the fog or yep. whatever. Like yeah. I wasn't, I was bummed out, but I was totally content and accepted the fact that I wasn't getting a sheep. And I, I'm just curious, like on your first hunt, how did you kind of go about navigating that? Like, man, I just saved up all this money, put everything, you know, I had into this hunt and, uh, you know, for me, like the, the thoughts running through my head are like, how am I going to be able to, with a family now, take another 10, 12 days yeah. off and, and fork this money over? So how'd you kind of manage that on that, on that first hunt? Like what kind of thoughts were, were going through your head or how'd you kind of handle that? Yeah, quite honestly, about I struggled with it. I like, uh, I, I thought I did everything, you know, like, uh, I think, don't quote me, but I think there was like 16 sheep hunters that, that went that season and 14 out of 16 got their Ram. One guy gave up and I was the other guy that didn't. And so, um, I, you know, the same thing, I, I, I thought I did everything. Um, I could, I think I was so close and could taste it that, uh, and then, especially then when I know I got shot the, the next season, right. I got the picture of it or next, yeah. the next punt. I shot, I got the picture of, I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a damn fine Ram. Yeah. And, um, so I, it, it, I, I had a little bit of, um, you know, when they say uh, tag soup, I had a little bit of tag soup with a bitter taste in my mouth and, and that was my own issue. Right. And, uh, um, cause it's hunting and, um, I certainly had a chance to shoot a smaller Ram and I passed and that's just the way it goes. Um, it, it, I, I didn't, I didn't feel good. I think that the other part of it was, but then I, I grew accepting like after the, uh, you know, the immediate bitterness, I think having so many people have success wasn't like, you know, um, as we were talking earlier, like, you know, if I don't kill a big whitetail this year, it, you know, a tag cost me 50 bucks, I'll get one next year. It's pretty accessible. My family doesn't have to sacrifice or I don't, you know, I have to save a lot for this. Um, sheep hunting is not cheap and, and, uh, whether it's the equipment, the tags, all that stuff, um, that the time it takes is, you know, with the young family, uh, to, to be away with, uh, from them. Um, I think that, that, you know, going back and saving again was just one of those things, especially when you're like, well, I really wanted that doll sheep. And now I was going to either move to a stone or, or do something else. Um, now I got to go back to, to get the doll. Um, but it, it, it um, it was motivating, it, 
but at the same time, I was like, you know, if I would have had one or two more days, I mean, I would have stayed if I could have. Um, they just had other hunters coming in. Um, and, and, you know, Chris was, uh, Chris Wedding was, was like, dude, you just, you just, you did everything we asked you to, you deserve to sheep. You just, it just doesn't happen. And that's just the way hunting goes. It's just when it happens to you with something that's that big, it was, I just had never had that experience. And so now I, I, I think I'm better for it because, yeah, you know, if it, if it didn't happen my second go around, it didn't happen. Um, I would have been still, uh, you know, disappointed, but I, I think it was a little easier to handle. Yeah, that's uh, and and it's and it's hard for me to know exactly how it would feel because obviously, you know, uh, I ended up getting one at the very last minute. But um, but yeah, all those thoughts are are running through your mind, you know. And everybody, um, you know, for me, it was like day five or six when they had uh, messaged uh, my guide Brent on the inreach and was like, "Everybody's got sheep already," and I'm like, "Man, we're." busting our ass out here and uh it's kind of like kind of like how you felt like 14 out of 16 people got it done and i'm like man we're climbing every single mountain we haven't even seen anything legal at this point so uh so yeah it's like a little bit of added pressure but you know i don't know how i'm it definitely was gonna burn and sting but for whatever reason at like 3 p.m on the last day i had a smile on my face and i was like you know what I did everything I could. I just didn't get one, and and yeah. it just so happened to, to everything changed at three oh five. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the country is beautiful, and I think it's it's different when. Um, so I've had hunts like I went moose hunting before this, and and, and didn't get a moose, and it, you know the rut wasn't on, so Colin wasn't working, and maybe saw a few that were way out there, and you're just like you know that's just a timing issue and weather and and dependent, and that's just the way life is, and and uh, you know the. I think with sheep hunting, it's just one of those things where um, if, if, if you put the time in and you grind it out, eventually you can get there, right, to get it. But, but you, the limiting factor is your time, you know, and, um, um, or, or your physical ability to be able to do it. And I think so many, and, you know, you've experienced this too, uh, you know, you, there's all different types of people in sheep camp. And, um, you know, when you, when you, you're, and you're, you know, in those first days, you know, people are, or you're, you're kind of sizing people up like does this person look like they can climb does this person and then those people start tagging out and you're like and then you'll hear the story like the sheep came down the ram was really low the ram was you know and you're like how come that ram's you know like how come i'm climbing to the top of everything and not seeing a thing right you know and exactly. it's it's just the way it rolls and and um, it's just it's just some people some that's people hunting, man. that's hunting right yeah. you yeah. know but yeah. when you're in that moment and you're the guy who hasn't got one yet. <laughs> That's the last oh, yeah. thing on your mind. Uh, the first yep. thing is like, yeah, how come I haven't found any Rams? How come they're not down low? You know, yep. uh, when yep. you're that guy. So, yep. So awesome, man. So then, uh, <clears throat> I know you got to get going here in about 10, 15 minutes. So, uh, real quick, I know you had a goat tag, so you yeah. guys transitioned over and started hunting goats. So what was that terrain like? Uh, compared to the sheep terrain, because I know we flew over that mountain range and it looked it looked pretty rugged. So just kind of get want to get your take on on what it was like hunting there versus the sheep country. Yeah, so the the, the sheep country, um, uh, you know, uh, steep and, and uh, um, where I was hunting again, uh, steep and 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 uh, you know, I would say a little bit more forgiving, but still steep, right? Still, I mean. But when we went to where we were at, and right on the Yukon northwestern border, right on 
the Nahani Park, um, it it is uh, it was rugged. I think they called it the Rugged Mountains. I, I don't recall, but I mean, it yeah, was the Ragged it, Range or the Rugged yeah, Range. Ragged Range. That's right. Yeah, it was. You know, where I'd say sheep country was less sharp mountain. I mean, this is sharp where you cliffed off easy. I mean, um, this this was steep up and down and. Uh, so yeah, we, we made that change. I, you know, I shot my on day one, and on by day three we got moved over to the the, the uh, mountain goat area, and uh, which was a hour and a half helicopter or about an hour helicopter ride, and uh, you know that that it was up and down, and we we're immediately again we land, and we're immediately on goats, and uh, uh, probably the biggest nanny I'd ever seen. I mean, she was, and again they're ways off and they're super steep, but. You know, she, she was huge. Uh, she had a couple kids with her. Um, and so we, we did find a couple, um, uh, billies, uh, but that, that, that train is, is super steep. Um, again, uh, to the point where I was, I clipped myself off once and had to get kind of talked down backwards because I was, uh, you know, I, I figured out, you know, uh, on my first sheep hunt years ago, I'm kind of scared of heights when you're on those little game trails and, and, uh, so you don't look down. And, uh, but some of this was like, you make a misstep and you're, you're really, really hurt. <laughs> and yeah. so it was steep. Um, and just, uh, and the, as you all know, the weather changed, right? It was really, really nice and warm our first few days. And now we were getting snow every day. It was miserable and rainy and, and, uh, um, but the terrain was, yeah, it was super steep. Um, you know, like crampon types of stuff. We didn't have that, but, uh, that's it's, it, taking your trekking poles, putting them as short as you can and like 60 degree angle hand over fist trekking into, you know, just climbing and spiking in to get above the stuff. And the shooting angles were, um, unbelievable. We did have, I did have a Billy at, uh, the, the first day we could hunt. Uh, on a on a cliff face at 360, and it was it was, and this was 360 with the actual incline. So we had a we had a range finder set the, the right. setting corrected. Yeah, we had that. We wouldn't make the same mistake, but um, they um, you know, and I probably in hindsight maybe I should I, I passed on that because I was just worried it'd fall off. We never get to it. Um, but yeah, that that the. the Terrain, the, the difference between the sheep and the goats that I experienced and I'm data point of one was sheep, my sheep that we were seeing stayed pretty much in their range. And so like they were on that mountain, you could find them on that mountain. What happened was these goats, um, they, you know, they were, they'd be there and then they'd start moving and they were unpredictable. And so when you think about about a mile stock on these things straight up and down, it would have taken us three hours or four hours to try to intercept them. And we never could predict where we would intercept them. And so, and they have such great eyesight, the cover just gets so thin. Um, you know, the ravines and stuff, we definitely had cover. We, we just couldn't get above them was going to be really, really difficult versus like a sheep trying to get above them. And so uh, it was, um, we were always on them, but again, when I talk about eating, eating those tags, um, um, I did not get the get a get a goat. Saw uh, saw a few, um, uh, not for lack of, of them being there, but it was it it's steep terrain, and you know you make you could you're probably good for one climb a, 
or at least I was, uh, good for one climb a day, but um, then you get socked in by the weather. They were just more unpredictable than I think the sheep were. I think other people's experiences, Bob, are maybe not that way, that the, the, the goats are as predictable as sheep, or maybe even more so. We just, I just didn't have that experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't have uh, any experience at all hunting mountain goats. It's actually uh, one thing I'm, I'm going to look into maybe doing is my next trip in a couple years. Um, but I do have uh, experience hunting the ibex in uh, in New Mexico, which are which are goats and those things. You know, I, I heard a quote. I don't know which famous hunter wrote it. I don't know some one of the authors. I don't know if it was Jack O'Connor or someone, but it basically said, you know, uh, the goat trail starts where the sheep trail ends. And, uh, that's kind of what I think about when I'm hunting these Ibex and it's all just on these crazy cliffs. And like you said, it's like, I can't pattern them. They go wherever the hell they want and with no rhyme or reason. Um, so it sounds like your mountain goats were very similar versus the sheep were like, oh, they're up in the cliffs now. And then you see this big grassy like section down low and you know or you have a pretty good idea like oh they're gonna they're gonna get up and eventually feed down in there so you can make a play whereas the goats it's like they're gonna go wherever the hell they want like oh that big cliff it doesn't matter they're going right up it and uh any direction so much more difficult to uh to kind of pattern a goat at least in my experience which sounds like it was similar to what uh what you experienced with the mountain goats yeah absolutely and you know we had the nanny and this nanny was probably had probably 12 inch. I mean, she was, she was big and, uh, um, nice, nice, you know, horns on her, but she had a couple kids and, and, or one, one kid of that season and one, maybe the year before, um, with her. And, uh, and it, she was relatively easy to pattern, but, the the, the billies weren't. And, you know, I had set my sights on, um, you know, everybody wants to get that, you know, that, nine or 10 inch billy i was like after that and and that's what i you know as a novice that's what i was thinking too once i saw that territory i'm like any billy (laughs) (laughs) any billy is a trophy and and uh so it wasn't like i was holding out for uh something huge um we did you know I, i would say in that part where we saw those we were probably in the the uh six to eight inch range on uh um on the billies. And so, um, it, it's, it's a tough one. And I will, I will say they're beautifully massive animals. I have uh, a ton of pictures and videos of them and, um, it is something I'm certainly trying to go and, and do again. And I'm going to try to draw the, um, try to draw a tag in, in Alaska, you know, that, that'll be hard to do, but I'm, I, that comes up, I think December 15th is the last for that. So I'm going to try to draw a tag there and, see if we can't go after something there, but that's, that's one of my next thoughts is trying to do that because I, again, as that, that sheep guide told me on my caribou hunt, um, I, I already know that I don't know how many more mountain climbs I got in me, but those, those goats, it's like probably two sheep climbs for every goat climb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After hearing, you know, your story about that kind of intrigued me. I'm like, all right, that might be next on my list. And it's actually, uh, at least as of today, uh, cheaper than a sheep hunt. So, um, I think if I save a couple years and, um, the kids get a little older where it's a little easier to, to handle them on your own, then, uh, I might duck out for, for that as my next adventure. Yeah. Cody, I mean, Kodiak has got, um, Alaska, Kodiak Island. I mean, they've got, they're doing, 
they've got a really nice herd there. Um, it's just trying to draw the tags on that. So, um, Hey, if you don't apply, yeah, you're not going to draw, right? I mean, exactly right. I mean, you, you taught me that with the Ibex. <laughs> that's it, man. You got to get in there. And that's like, uh, that, you know, my buddy, Sean, who was on the last podcast, he started hunting six years ago and has probably accomplished the pinnacle of sheep hunting, which is a Wyoming bighorn sheep tag. And that was his second year applying. He put his name in wow. and, and he drew it, you know, someone's got to win it. Why not you? You know, did, did he end up getting one? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He ended up awesome. getting a nice one. Yeah. 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 I will probably, I will probably die before I draw a, a Missouri breaks tag, but that's okay. Yeah. You got to put in. So, uh, <laughs> so, Hey, um, it looks like you're probably running short on time real quick. Um, what rifle did you have? Cause I remember it was pretty light. It was a nice lightweight mountain rifle. Uh, what did you have with you? I had the, I had the Nosler M48. Um, and, uh, so it, I, I think they make a mountain rifle. This one was, uh, wasn't that mountain rifle, but it was, yeah, it's, it's fairly light. And, uh, it's been just indestructible between whether it's been Alaska, uh, sitting in a scabbard with, 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 uh, horses, or, you know, out on the, uh, on the, the last mountain hunt, um, things have been indestructible. Um, it's been a, been a great gun. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed light. It seemed like a good gun. I was curious what that was. And I forget the other guy's name who we, uh, we hung out with on the last days there. Um, but he had one of those cool, like carbon bipods that I thought were yes. not going to be all that stable, but they were pretty nice. I think they're called like the javelin bipod. And so, yep. uh, I'm actually going to order one of those cause my bipod is like a pound and a half. Um, and I think theirs was like six ounces. So that is one thing I'm going to look into, but sleeping bag wise or equipment wise or anything. Cause you kind of were out there like me for the full, for the full allotment of, uh, the 10 days. So anything you liked or didn't like, or, you know, something that you would definitely change or something you definitely would not leave home without as far as, uh, equipment that you learned on that hunt. Yeah, I'd say, um, and again, the weather changed on us, right? And so it got it got down to freezing and snowing and and, and water. I, I think, um, I, I don't know if I change it, but I'd emphasize like your your rain gear. Spend all the money. Do not go cheap, especially in the mountains on that on that stuff because you're going to need it. Um, I'd say my sleeping bag. I could have. I could have. I think I was at a 15 degree bag. Um, I probably could have. Uh, or maybe it, was, it must have been a 30 degree bag. I would have went down to the 15, taken a little heavier bag just based on some of the temperatures that we're having. I know you guys had fires up in, in uh, it got cold when I was in goat camp, uh, you know, up in the goat area, we couldn't have a fire. So you're, we're, you know, working on your own body heat. Um, uh, yeah, the, the other thing six is, days we, we were above timberline. We didn't have any wood. Then when we yep. moved to the second spot, yeah, we were able to have fires and, and yeah, that is a game changer mentally. It is a yep. definite boost. It really is. And, and I'd say, um, you know, my experiences, uh, my backpack. Um, so I had the, I had the Kuyu, um, uh, 7,200. I, um, I, I, I liked your backpack better. I like the functionality associated with your backpack much better. Um, mine was light, but I'm not sure. It, it just didn't have the same functionality that, you know, it was, it was more difficult to, I, I just found it, um, 
I'm not sure it would have held up as, as, as well. It did hold up as well, um, or it did hold up, but I just, um, I had, there's a lot, I, I just, I think I, that's one thing I might change on that. I love Kuyu's gear um, in terms of the clothing and stuff, but um, my pack, I, I would want, I, after seeing the functionality of your pack, I would have went there. And I think the other thing is I used um, Kuyu's uh, guide, and I think it was the guide pants. Um, I would I would go to the, uh, the Sika pants uh, for those mountain Sika pants are the way to roll. I, I know you you had them. My guide had them. Um, just when you're on the shale and uh, it's just really and my first hunt with my Kuyu pants. And, and again, Kuyu st- stood behind them. I ripped them like the first day. And so uh, um, I, so I brought two pairs of pants this next time. I didn't need them, but um, I think I changed that up. And I think. Bob, you know, your discussion has always been, and it was interesting for me, was like, you pick the best gear, regardless of who, who, who has it, what, you know, what works for you, regardless of brand. And I think that's really important is try this stuff out um, before you get up there. And because there's just, it's just unforgiving once you're there and everything you think could go wrong, could go wrong. You're, and, and the boots are a big thing too. I know, um, um, don't, don't, don't go cheap there. Figure out what you like, whether it's the, you know, um, whether it's more of a technical, stiff technical boot. I know that that helps, you know, certainly in goat country, I would have went more technical than the boot that I had today or that I used. Um, um, but, you know, in the, in the sheep country, I was I was cool with, with, with what I had. Yeah, so that, that you covered a lot there. And yeah, I, um, the pack that you have, I think was like the Ultra 7200 and I had, I have that pack. Um, yep. and it is lightweight, no doubt about it. It's made light, yep. but the one that I have now is a, is called a Kafaru. I think the bag I have on there is called the Reckoning. It is definitely heavier, but it's, it's much more durable. I feel, uh, and it's made that way, right? You either have lightweight or you have comfort. There's, it's really hard to get both. Um, and it, yeah, it's made to be durable and kind of heavy duty. Uh, that coup you want to use the bunch. I did a lot of pack outs in it. I just, uh, yeah, I didn't like the durability and I didn't like the design of those two carbon stays on how they go in the bag. Those things would always fall out on me. Uh, and halfway through, you know, a pack out or lifting the bag up and down, uh, the bag would just kind of fall out of the stays and be, be hanging around my waist, like kind of falling down. So that, uh, uh, that is kind of why I stopped using that pack. However, for like short day trips or something for like two or three days, it's lightweight. You can't beat it. You know what I mean? If you don't need all that durability, it's a great thing to kind of just throw on your back and go. If, uh, you know, you're not hauling out a lot of weight or going to be gone for a while. So it, it does have its advantage there and its purpose there. And, and yeah, I kind of had a similar situation, like, you know, rolling into camp, I was the, I think everyone in that airplane was pretty much head to toe in Kuyu gear. And I think they make the coolest looking camo. Um, so obviously that made me buy it, but I, the, from a pants perspective, I, I've, I've shredded them all like within a week and I did not have the same experience as you. I'm guessing their customer service is probably a lot better now, uh, because they wouldn't even like two days after I got it, I'm like, man, I went on an elk hunt and this, you know, these guide pants are supposed to be pretty durable. So, uh, so yeah, my Sitka, I switched over to Sitka. I actually had them both and, and used them both. And those ones, they kind of have like, a, I don't know if it's Kevlar or what, but they're reinforced in a little bit 
tougher. Uh, and they've lasted a very long time for me. So, uh, yes, I do have Kuyu shirts that I like. They're merino wool. You know, I use whatever. I'm not like uh, only this or only that, 100% this brand and nothing else. I don't really care what the brand is. If it works and it works for me and it lasts, I'm going to use it regardless of what the hell the name is on the brand. So that's kind of uh, my experience and why I'm using what I'm using now. So Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and uh yeah, the the Carifu is is that's where I'm I'm going to next. I'm gonna give uh, the, give up a little bit of the the ultralight. And you're exactly right with uh, the Kuyu stays. I have that problem. If you haven't got it strapped tight to the changing um, weight or volume that you have in your pack, it comes off those stays. And um, which is you know it comes off those stays really easy, so that you can pack stuff between the pack and the frame. But um, for the most part, it, it it's annoying. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's uh, they make a great light pack. And I think the interesting thing is when you when you look at what guides are using over a season um, and what they're wearing and what they're using because this is their job and they're out there, you know, a lot longer than we are. Um, that that's an eye opener for what for what they're using and and um, what they what they see as durability. And um, yeah, I think when you're gonna when you're gonna spend a lot of money on these things um you know on, on the gear um you know even if it's even you know like the the sitka pants are not cheap but you want them to they should hold up for one user sheep hunt right yes, you know and, exactly. and uh um and i can tell you the sickest stuff just that i've got lasts and lasts and lasts and some of my kuyu stuff lasts really well too but it, it there is that that's their performance uh side of it is that it's super lightweight and with super lightweight Sometimes durability is an issue. That's right. That's right. So, and on one of those hunts, uh, the last thing you want is rain gear with holes in it or, uh, you know, um, a pack that's broken or can't handle the weight. So, oh yeah, that would be miserable. Oh yeah. So anyway, man, I know I've already gone into, uh, uh, your, uh, negative time that you allotted me. We're past the time I promised you we'd be over with. So, um, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, that was awesome hearing about your hunts and, and thanks again for joining us. Hey, Bob, it, absolutely. And, and it was, uh, it was so great to, you know, to meet you on this hunt and, and, uh, for your listeners that listen to you, I mean, like uh, just meeting you in the airport and then establishing just a friendship through this was, has been awesome. And so, uh, I think that's the hunter community and, and, uh, you just meet the greatest people. So, uh, uh, Thanks for having me, and and I uh, look forward to seeing uh, pictures of uh, your whitetails. All right, same here, man. And don't forget, I am going to take you up on that grouse hunt in Wisconsin as soon as I, uh, as soon as I have some time in a couple years. <laughs> I know it. I know it. You're raising a family and keeping busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations on your little one. When we were just uh, in August, uh, uh, your wife was pregnant, and I know going having having be being pregnant and going on a hunt that creates all those stresses. So congrats on your new one. Thanks a lot, man. And great talking to you, buddy. Take care. Take care. Uh-huh. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.